Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Jono Bacon. He is a community and collaboration strategy consultant, advisor, and speaker. And he's also the author of a book we're going to talk about today, People Powered, How Communities Can Supercharge Your Business, Brand, and Teams. So, Jono, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. You are the first Jono I've had on my show. So is there <laughs> is there an ethnic origin to that? That's the first time I've seen that name, actually. No, and actually, before we even get into that, I like how you pronounce my name correctly the first time, which basically never happens in the US. I was named Jono by a kid who lived opposite a new house that my parents moved into when I was seven, and it just stuck. Oh, so, never, so it's yeah. a nickname like Scooter or something, huh? Ex exactly. <laughs> it, it, no, my real name is Jonathan. You know, my stage name is Jono. <laughs> oh, all right. No, that makes total sense. That's, it's, a, it's like, uh, uh, you know, Bono. You know, right, or, but yeah. without the money or the talent. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's talk about communities. Um, sure. What's the origin of communities in business? I know it's really popular to talk about right now, but if yep. we were going to go back and talk about the role of community like throughout business, how would you describe it? So I think it really, um, we've seen a, a real growth in communities uh, in, in recent years, and especially because technology has been growing so significantly. You know, I mean, 85% of millennials, for example, now own a smartphone and we've seen internet access growing around the world. Um, so what's happening is we're able to connect people together more effectively than ever. And back in, you know, back it, prior to all of this technolo technological evolution, people would form together into, into local communities and they'd find a lot of value in that because there's something intrinsically satisfying about people getting together to collaborate around something. And especially when, um, uh, that something has a real sense of meaning. One of the things that we found, uh, in behavioral economics is that, meaning and doing meaningful work is very important to most people. So in the business world, you know, when you can get your team to collaborate together and to work together and everybody feels connected by the the mission of the of the business, then you ch you tend to get happier, more effective, more proactive employees. So what's happened is we we hear a lot about community these days. We hear about, you know, for example, uh GitHub has become a hub of technological development and sold to Microsoft for seven and a half billion and Salesforce have got over a million members and all these different examples. But really what's facilitated a lot of that is the same basic psychological principle around people doing interesting, meaningful work together. Technology is just enabling it more than ever before. And and, and would you even say though that it goes as far as just similar interests? I mean Yeah. I mean the you know the, the thing about high school you know this table was this this table thought this this table played this yep. video games but now they can find that same table anywhere in the world right exactly I think that's what it is we're we're inherently social creatures human beings and um and we thrive in 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 social groups you know now there's a a good and a bad side to this we we have seen for example tribalism forming in negative ways but fundamentally, uh, what I think we've seen consistently across communities is that when you have a central uh, focus and a mission, whether it's activism, whether it's a product in your business, whether it's something else, and you can corral that group of people together with a shared workflow where people can see their own reflection in doing that, it can generate really meaningful uh, uh, experiences for people. And one of the reasons for this is because 
when we kind of without delving too much into the psychology you know when we when we participate in groups we generate this social capital and social capital is kind of an unseen currency that we tend to think of as as reputations so people who do great work we tend to respect them and then that reputation is something we can harness uh, to make decisions or to influence other people. And when that's done in a positive manner, it's pretty incredible what what you can do. And, and these principles really apply to a really broad variety of different places. We've seen these principles applied in businesses, but also, like I say, in activism and crowdfunding and beyond. So, you know, there's nothing. This is really the core of, of a human condition, I think, is what makes this work. Well, and I think a lot of people, especially with the onslaught of social media, um, I think a lot of people, a lot of businesses have thought about, yeah, I, you know, I need to build my following. I need to build like a Facebook group and call that yeah. a community. I mean, when I listen to you talk about community, I'm not sure that some of those communities are formed sort of for the same reason. <laughs> I mean, they're almost like <laughs> we need a community because then we can get them, we can turn them into brand ambassadors and then they'll, you know, sell more right. product for us. I mean, that's probably... In some ways, that's probably the wrong way to go into it, isn't it? I think so. I mean, when I work with clients, for example, and they want to, they're interesting in building their community in in whatever form they're, they're they're looking at. The start of the conversation, in my mind, always has to start with what is the value for your members? Like, why should your prospective community members get involved and do this? So, we tend to see a lot, particularly online, where people are coming up with all of these hacks and approaches to, you know, examples that you you gave, like. Uh, social media, content, advertising, all of these pieces. And to me, those are the mechanics of getting your message out there. But I think we have to start from why would they why would they participate in the first place? Um, I'll give you a concrete example. Um, this is actually in the first the very first page of my new book, People Powered. I used to work for a company called Canonical, and there was a, a kid called Abiomi sent me an email. Uh, one day I'd been in this position for about six or seven months. He lived in the middle of Africa in a pretty rural place. And he sent me an email basically saying that he would earn money around his village doing chores. And then he'd walk two hours to his local town. He'd spend all of his money that he raised on an hour's worth of internet access. And he'd contribute to the, to this project Ubuntu. And then he'd walk two hours back. And the reason why he did this was because even though he was just a, a kid in Africa, on the global stage, he was playing a cog in a much bigger machine. And it, and, it, and it gave him that sense of purpose. So to me, we have to start with that sense of purpose first. And then all of the mechanics of how we get to people and we bring them in, that all needs to happen. But if, if you don't have that sense of purpose, then it, you run the risk of doing a lot of outreach and then not getting a lot of, of, of return when, when people actually come and join you. Okay, so if we're going to start with purpose, then, which I obviously makes complete sense. It's a little counterintuitive sometimes for businesses. <laughs> but it, so how do we then go about like, I mean, what's the first step then in saying, in sort of analyzing even? Because um, I'm sure people bring you in, they say, we need a community. So, you know, what's the first step for how do you build that and integrate that into an organization? Right. So the first step, I think, is define that value proposition for both you and for your prospective members. So you, I'm a big believer that um, ultimately, we're going to get down to very specific tactical details. Every tactical detail has got to have a genealogy that goes back to the value that you want to generate. Otherwise, your tactics are not connected to your, you know, the point of all of this. So start with the value. And then what we do is we keep zooming further and further in. The next step is to understand the target personas that you want to reach out to. So for example, do you want people to be performing advocacy? Do you want them to be answering questions for your other customers and users? Do you want them to be producing technology, such as happens in the open source world? Do you want them to be translating what you're doing, uh, you know, your product or your, your, your 
content. So we first of all identify a set of personas and then shape them into and understand like what do they want, what drives them, what experience do we need from those personas. And then what we do is we generate a set of, I call them big rocks, which is essentially what are your broader objectives that you want to accomplish in a set time period? So for example, if we were to say, okay, you know, I'm a company, I'm a small company, I've got a, a web product and I want people to be able to provide help and, and support each other in kind of a forum style community. Um, we define the value and then we say, okay, support is our persona. Now what we do is we say, okay, what are the things we need to do to sufficiently put in place that community? Okay, well, we're going to need to spin up a forum. We're going to need to have some content and some social media to bring people in. We're going to want to in, uh, incentivize and reward people for doing really great work. So you structure that as a set of high level ob objectives that gives you a sense of what the deliverables should be. Now, where the rubber hits the road is that with most companies doing this work is cross-functional. You need, you know, you need your, your technology team to spin up some services. You need your marketing team to be involved. You may need your product and engineering teams to be involved. So the key thing is once you've got that strategy, you need your leadership team to set the expectation in your company. Um, this community is not just, you know, an island off the side of our business. This is part of what we do. It's part of the product. And then you provide guidance to your staff members for how to participate in that. Because the companies, the companies that tend to fail in this is they hire a community manager and that community manager essentially acts as like a, an ambassador to the community and everybody else thinks I can safely ignore the community and just go through that community manager. And what your community members really want is they want that interaction. They want that engagement directly with your, with your staff. So that's how I tend to break that down. So you mentioned the incentivize uh, word. Is there, I mean, the, to me, the sort of the, the unicorn is that like people are so in love with this brand or with this product or with this game or something that they just, they'll willingly spend hours a day, you know, right. helping right. people out. But the reality is most of us probably need to do something to reward people. But, yeah. but then, you know, I'm guessing the greater the reward, maybe the less the loyalty. I mean, how do you balance that? It's a, it's a really great question. Um, so I think a big chunk of this is the way I tend to think of it is um, human beings, again, psychologically, we respond to rewards uh, very well. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we, you know, we go to work, we get a salary, why we respond to bonuses, why we get our 10th stamp on our coffee regulars card or you want the air miles at United or Delta. Um, so what we need to do is we need to understand when we define those personas what do we want these folks to do? And then how do we define what good is, what success is? And then how do we incentivize people to move in that direction? But also how do we reward when people do great work? Um, and there are two types of incentives I think it's important for us to think about. We tend to think of, you know, swag and gifts and gift cards, which are the extrinsic rewards. And that can get expensive pretty quickly. But what's even more important are the intrinsic rewards is, for example, imagine somebody goes into your community where you're, you want them to ask a question or you want them to advocate for your, for your product and they do a great piece of work. They answer a question, maybe they write a good blog post or do a video about your product. Sending them an email, the CEO or a CTO or someone sending them an email and saying, hey, I just saw this piece of work that you did. We really appreciate it. It's people like you that make our community tick. Thank you. That email can buy you another six months of interest and passion because it taps into that need for validation that we tend to have. So the way I tend to look at it and what I recommend to clients, and I walk through this in the book, is when you 
design that journey for how someone gets started in your community and how you on-ramp them, which onboard them, which needs to be really simple and effective. Um, how do we pepper in these incentives so they're regularly incentivized to do something new at every step of the way, and they're always reaping a set of rewards? Um, now, you've got to be careful because there is a psychological kind of curve to this where if you reward too much, what you tend to happen, what tends to happen is um, people then only focus on the rewards. So they're so focused on the rewards, they're not actually focused on the reason for doing this work, which is to bring value to the community and to make things happen. They just want to get, you know, the, the goodies that you're providing. So there is a balance to this as well. And now a little word from our sponsor. Intercom wants more of the nice people visiting your website to give you money. So they took a little chat bubble in the corner of a website and packed it with conversational bots product tours, NPS surveys, all sorts of things that amplify your team and help you reach more nice people. Intercom customer Unity got 45% more loyal users with Intercom in just 12 months. Go to intercom.com slash podcast to start making money from real-time chat. Then see everything else Intercom can do. That's intercom.com slash podcast. So as I listen to you describe the process and how you onboard. And um, I mean, let's face it, this is a lot of work um, if oh, you're yeah. going to do it right. <laughs> and I think that yeah. that's where, I mean, I, I think people probably go in thinking, yeah, we'll spin up a community and that'll be great. That'll be another like marketing channel <laughs> for us. But I think they neglect, right. yep. you know, then the, the thing becomes a wasteland, you know, because they neglect to to sort of set the proper expectation of what kind of an investment it is. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, exactly. And it's, Communities take work. And the thing is, as well as, and I say this to every client that I work with or when I speak, there is no silver bullet to it. I mean, the the the, the method that I've developed over the years and that, that I, I put into People Powered is the method that I find to work most consistently across the, 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 the most number of clients that I've ever worked with. But everything has to really be tied specifically to the company and to the community and to the team that you're working with. Um, so fundamentally what I've found to work, you know, if you to kind of tie it all in a bow is the best thing you can do is to kind of go through these pieces and they don't necessarily need to be big pieces of work. Like I think you can define your personas relatively quickly. They don't, you don't need to spend weeks on it. I think understanding the value you want to generate, again, you can, you can define that relatively quickly, but what does need a lot of work is when people start joining your community, you need to have people who are regularly engaging with them and encouraging them to participate because what builds communities is a sense of momentum. So for example, you know, if you, uh, imagine John that you walk down, uh, you know, your, your local high street, right in Kansas city, and you see an interesting new restaurant. Um, if there's a ton of people in there and there's a table free, you're probably going to look at the menu and maybe go in and eat. If it's completely empty, you won't go in there. Um, you'll think that it's dead. So what we want to do is we want to get people coming into your community and then sticking around. And the way in which we do that is constantly engaging with them, constantly encouraging their participation, their creativity. Um, so we build a habit and it takes about 66 days to build a habit. So once people have been there for a, about a month or two, they tend to become a habit and then they tend to spend more time in your community. And the amount of engagement that you need to provide in terms of handholding tends to go down. But in the early stages, it does require, you know, a reasonable chunk of work. But a lot of companies, particularly smaller organizations, can do this with just, you know, a couple of people, not necessarily even working full time, like maybe a full time community manager. But then, you know, individuals in your company spending 15, 20 minutes a day going in there and spending time. 
Well, there's a couple good points there. One, I I know it seems to me like communities kind of pass the tipping point, if you will, when there's a lot of engagement between community members. Exactly. um, As opposed to just, okay, I'm the manager here and here's today's question, (laughs) you know, kind kind of thing. So I think that happens a lot. I wonder if the low-hanging fruit for a lot of businesses would be to think in terms of segmenting their customers. As community. Right. So in other words, our most engaged, our most loyal, our biggest advocates already trying to find a way to kind of champion them as opposed to just creating a community that's going to be, you know, all comers. Yeah. All things to all people. Yeah. You, you, you raise a really good point, John. Like it's um, the way I, I, I tend to approach this is I think there's kind of three models for general communities. Um, one is that we have consumers, which is people who get together because they share an interest, such as you know, fans in a video game forum um, or people who follow you on social media. The second is champions where people want to kind of go above and beyond to make your community uh, even more valuable. So these t- people tend to write documentation or tend to uh, advocate what you're doing. And then the third is collaborators, people who work together on a shared on a shared product. I think you can apply those different models within the same company. So for example, a client that I'm working with right now, we've created a community which is purely focused on their executive decision-maker customers, right? So these people are not going to go to a forum. They're not going to spend time in a web browser hanging out with you. But they do care about good content, networking, dinners, mixes, that kind of thing. So it's kind of close in some ways to kind of customer success uh, and a little bit of marketing. But then we have another community within the same organization, which is really focused on the people who are implementing their product. So these are much more technical people. And that's a forum where people can ask questions, where they can stay up to date with new releases and notes and things like that. Combining those two would be awful <laughs> because your executive decision makers would never go to that forum. And your, deci- and your implementers would never just want, you know, just a drip feed of content and events. So it is important, I think, to tune it pretty carefully. One of the things uh, that I have seen, and again, I don't participate in a lot of communities uh, today other than probably the most are, are really on Facebook groups. Yep. that I see as communities. And one of the things I've noticed is um, the communities that seem that I belong to that are the most active, the people that are the most engaged, members are 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 being rewarded emotionally. Yes. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times their thoughts, fears, rants are being validated by other people. Right. Um is that something? Is that a healthy community, or is that just a community where people can say, "Oh, good, I can go here and say what I want"? <laughs> I think there needs to be a balance. Um, the way I think about this is, we we need to be honest about these different elements of the of the psychology of how people operate. Like so much of this, part of the reason why I, I often mention the psychology is, like I don't think you can build software, for example, uh, unless you understand the machine it's running on. And I don't think you can build communities or businesses unless you understand how people tend to think and operate. And, um, you know, people do tend to be impulsive and we do tend to get into echo chambers. Now, if you have an echo chamber where the message that's echoing is one that is positive, one that is focused on on building great things, then you can get a lot of really positive discussion. But if that echo chamber is all about negativity, um, then you can have the the inverse effect. So a lot of this, from what I've seen, is basically about having good leadership in place, right? So if you have, for example, leaders who are open and transparent and are able to engage with difficult subjects in a way that is objective and focused, you can actually 
have that kind of emotional response between particularly a company and the community members um, uh, in a way that is constructive um, as opposed to just ranting and bickering. And what's, what's interesting is, again, psychologically, human beings tend to mimic people they respect, right? This is one of the reasons why if you have a terrible leader in place, you'll often get a lot of bad behavior. Um, so if you have good leaders who are demonstrating these good pat these positive patterns you tend to get better psychological or, or sorry collaboration results or communication results in that community you also need to have for example you know a code of conduct and you need to make it very clear about what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable but that emotional connection between people is something that we all crave and that when you can tap into it in the right way in communities is incredibly powerful because what you can generate is years and years and years of positive uh, you know, engagement and relationships with your customers and with your users. So I think a lot of times when people talk about community these days, they are talking about the online forum, you know, the places right. where people can gather. But can a, a an objective or maybe an outcome of a community be that it actually turns into user groups that do meetups and that oh that, yeah that have a physical you know element to them? Yeah, it's actually this is I I think this is really important. I actually dedicate a chapter in the book to this because to me there is something so powerful about being in the same room as somebody, right? There is a whole set of body language that's missing online. And real relationships and friendships can be developed more quickly in person. Um, it, they can be developed, of course, online. But um, the key thing in my mind is, is you've got to try and have the online and the in-person pieces uh, connected, kind of like a, a, a kind of a fusion of the two. So I'll give you an example. Um, some years ago, I used to work for a company called Canonical, and we used to run these developer summits where we'd get together, we'd bring a whole bunch of our community members together in person in different locations, and we'd basically plan out work for the next six months so the community members could play a role in how we shaped the next version of Ubuntu. And uh, there were a lot of people who couldn't attend those events either because they couldn't afford to get there, they couldn't travel physically or whatever. So what we would do is each of those discussion sessions would actually have a chat channel where people could listen along with an audio feed and they could actually type into the chat channel and that would be reflected in the session. So we connected the online people and the in-person people together. Now, some of that doesn't work completely. Like you don't, that's not going to work, for example, at a social event <laughs> generally. But in terms of those working sessions, it worked pretty well. And then, for example, just being able to reflect the output of the in-person session, you know, online as well. So there are many examples of people forming, you know, local meetups, local groups. You know, I've, I've done this with a whole bunch of companies that I've worked with where you get that the value of that in-person kind of engagement. But then the online piece can connect in between those events. So, you know, so you go to an event on a, you know, on a Tuesday night, for example, and then the next event is two or three weeks later. But ordinarily with just meetups, you wouldn't have any kind of engagement between those two events. But if you wire in the the online piece, then you're keeping people engaged throughout that time. Yeah, and I see that happen all the time. You know, you meet somebody at a conference one year and then you stay engaged through LinkedIn and other things. And then all of a sudden, like exactly. next year, now you're looking forward to seeing each other as opposed to just a chance meeting again. So it definitely yep. has that, that, that aspect. And it's, yeah, and it's all about that, like I say, building that momentum, because if you only have these spikes of people, you know, spending time with each other, then it's very difficult to build that momentum. But if you see a consistent, a consistent kind of growth curve, then then it's much easier to build that habit. So speaking with John O'Bacon, he's the author of People Powered. So, John, where can people find out more about you and your book? So my website is johnobacon.com, J-O-N-O. 
uh, bacon, as in the delicious meat.com. Um, and you can find uh, the book is linked on there, but you can go to johnobacon.com slash people powered. And uh, the book is going to be out in November um, and we're taking pre-orders. And I put together a, a pre-order package where pre-order folks can get a whole set of additional perks such as early access to the book exclusive video content a whole load of discounts access to a knowledge base and and all that kind of stuff so you can find out more about that on the website awesome and we'll have a link to the pre-order page or the pre-order bonuses uh, in the notes if you want to check those out so Jono, thanks for joining us today and hopefully we'll run into you out there on the road someday sounds good thank you john 